What up, Flock? We out this thing. It wasn't pretty, but we got that dub. It's still a country. You feel me? Flock gang. You know how we do it. We coming home to Baltimore with that dub. Well, they say all W's look the same, boys. They do? Yeah, I mean, a dub's a dub, right? <laughs> That's true. And that was a much needed one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I can cope with this game is by being like, it's a, it's a dub. What what what's there to talk about? We we won, so let's just move on, right? Man, there's there are definitely <laughs> things to talk about after that unnecessary nail biter, in my opinion. You called it though. You got the score prediction. I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> man, well, here here's why I say it was unnecessary. Like AFC North football, the game you got to throw records out the window. I mean, gosh, in 2015 the Ravens were terrible, yet they still got two victories against Pittsburgh and looked much better in those two games than they looked in any other game that season. That's just the way this division is. Like, you can't go into a game and say, this team's terrible, you know, except for the old Browns, and expect there's going to be an easy win. Actually, even those games were close. The Browns would usually be within a score or two of us. So even though I think on paper, you know, with the Steelers without the, you know, the killer bees, Ben, Bell, and, and Antonio... I think on paper the Ravens should have and and maybe did play down to the opponent yesterday at the same time cuz cuz this rivalry even though there's a huge amount of new faces I I don't think you can necessarily say that the Ravens underperformed yesterday just because of it being a road division game with all that history between the two teams. I think that was really well put, Peter. Chris, what do you have to think about this? Well, the only thing I, I had in my mind when you guys were talking about uh, all dubs looking the same was uh, was your analogy last week about use of tokens. But in this case, I'm going to say the tokens are victories. And so, you know, all tokens really look the same, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The only At the end of the day, it just matters how many tokens you have. The machine's just going to take that number. You can have three really shiny tokens or you can have three really dirty, grimy tokens. It doesn't matter, man. Three tokens are three tokens. <laughs> That's right. And sometimes when it's a dollar, you want the dirty one over the clean one. That's right. Oh, man. I love it. Well, you know what, guys? We did get that win. It was a nail-biter for sure. We said last week that we would take this game and not be too swayed one way or the other. Like It's a game we should have won, and we'll just be really sad if we lost it. But it was in a range of outcomes that was believable. But man, I I honestly left this game more disappointed than I imagined possible from a win. I think the thing you need to take away from this too is that we got lucky in the schedule in some sense with the first two games and playing against Miami and Arizona. And you know, I think Peter said it best. We we kind of had an extended preseason. I mean, that did two things. One, it, it really hyped up the team, I think, pretty early. But I mean realistically going into this season I mean we knew that it was going to be somewhat of a rebuilding year I mean not a complete rebuild but you know we're transitioning from an offense that had Joe Flacco for over 10 years very different style of offense from what we wanted to run with Lamar and a lot of players leave not only just on offense but on defense I mean we've talked about that a lot and you know it's really hard to expect a team to just transition over and you know be really solid after that. I mean, we knew that there were going to be holes from those people leaving, and we tried to fill some of them, and it looked like from the first two games that they had been filled, but realistically, it was just the level of opponent that we were playing. And I think what we're starting to see now is we're 
coming back to reality a little bit and be like, okay, so we're not a 16 and 0 team like we thought we were for week one and week two. We're more of a uh, you know fringe playoff team at the moment, and we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, Chris, you brought up some really good points there. I think you know while we have a lot of confidence on the players that are on this roster, in some aspects because of all the turnover, like you just mentioned, the Ravens are kind of they're competing while rebuilding. Like a rebuild doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're not competing while you're doing it. You know, I think the Ravens, we, they have some players in place right now, like a Lamar Jackson, Earl Thomas and, and Mark Ingram who are ready to be on teams that compete right now. And then you got some other players on this team. Like, you know, you got your, your Hayden Hurst, your Kenny Young's guys who are still developing and are, are trying to get up to the pace of, and get them on the level of what these player these players are contending worthy where they are, and just to see how far can we get with that. And to that st- that point, I think at three and two, you got to be be happy with that. Sure, we would love to be four and one, as I think we still think that the Browns are definitely a team that the Ravens should have been able to beat at home. But record wise, three and two through five games with the breadth of players you have on this team, you know, established vets to still developing young players. It's not a bad start. Well, we hadn't, I feel like I jinxed our good buddy Jefferson. I'm sorry. I spoke ill of you last week and now he's gone for the season. I guess the only silver lining is that our guy candidate seems to be stepping up a bit and I appreciate his his effort because <laughs> didn't Chris say it uh, in our text? We have like all pro injured reserve secondary. Like <laughs> it's preposterous. The amount of talent on injured reserve from our secondary right now. Oh, that may have been from our, uh, our fantasy league chat. I don't think that was me. That may have been somebody else, but, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree with the point. Although Jimmy Smith is, isn't on injured reserve yet. Knock on wood. Right, it's it's definitely tough to hear. I actually I didn't watch the game live, and uh, I just watched the condensed version uh, on on Game Pass, but I didn't get to see the injury. But uh, yeah, I mean, I heard about it on Twitter. It seems brutal, torn ACL, and, and possibly even some more damage. So, I mean, it's looking like a rough timetable for Tony. You know, we wish him all the best. Yeah, I mean, you never want to see that for anyone on the team. We will say though, from a player personnel perspective. I'm kind of excited to see what Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott can do with this chance to step up. Now, with the limited playing they've had this season, they've had their share of mistakes as well. But I think, as as Alec pointed out last week, Tony Jefferson, you know, he came into the Ravens with a lot of hype. But I think the the game plan is out there among NFL teams on, on how to attack him with the tight end and, you know, how he can't really cover a seam route across the middle. He's going to get out of position. So as much as this sucks for, for Tony, I mean, the Ravens secondary might not take that big of a hit from this injury. We'll have to, we'll obviously have to see because we haven't seen Clark and Elliott in extended action as starters to this point, but it might be a, a chance for one of those two guys to step up and, and take the starting safety spot alongside Thomas. 
I think the the big thing we got to figure out, and we talked about this last week, and I assume it's, it's still sort of a work in progress, is who's going to wear the green dot, who's going to be calling the plays, because it was Peanut, and then they changed it to Jefferson, and now he's out, and Peanut apparently has it again, and we know this is like the third time that Peanut's had it, and we're, I'm not really convinced that that's a solution long term, so... Who's going to take it? Who's going to, you know, who knows the defense? Who's going to be comfortable calling calling the plays for the rest of the guys and getting people in the right position? Well, maybe it's Chuck Clark because Earl Thomas was saying that he's one of the smartest DBs in the room. He also had interesting comments about Deshaun Elliott. He, he took a second to answer and he said that he would be the most athletic, really raw talent, which I thought was an interesting take. So I think it's kind of showing that Elliott has a lot of the intangibles, but is maybe a little bit behind when it comes to just the the smarts of the game. We have Clark, who I think will probably be the more immediate solution. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, you, we've seen Clark get some more, gradually get more snaps as the season's gone on. I think especially against Kansas City, he was in there for, for a bit. Saw him against Cleveland and and Pittsburgh last week as well. I had not seen that quote by Thomas, but that is interesting because... We've seen so far since Earl's been here, he he doesn't hold back in in his opinions. <laughs> so I do like to hear that that he has that high of opinion in in Chuck Clark's football IQ. I think that's great to hear coming from from Earl, and maybe that'll help with some of the miscommunications that are going in the backfield. <laughs> right. Oh, let's let's take a step back too. Um, give a shout out to uh, to Kennedy. I think you just briefly mentioned the Malik before we started talking a little bit about TJ and his injury. But uh, yeah, this is the probably the third game, I think, that Kennedy's been playing that nickel spot for us. I tell you what, man, he's definitely grabbed that spot. I think that's his. That's his job to lose now. He was um, he, he had some really good play on uh, this past game. He was generally sticking to his guys. He was in good position on a lot of plays. Could have had a couple picks, to be honest. He looked really good. Really good. You know who didn't look good? Them referees. My God. They, <laughs> I was losing my mind about some of these calls, guys. I don't know about you, but the INT where Andrews got assaulted, I agree with what Chris said in the notes. Like There were a lot of defenders there. Maybe not the best spot, but I thought that was an interesting no call. But the one that had me kind of besides myself was the catch, the quote-unquote catch that I think was definitely an incompletion. Gene Scarator very frequently agreed with me, and it made me feel good since he is professional, and I'm just a loud mouth in front of a microphone. So wait, was was I? <laughs> there were so many of these questionable calls in the game. I gotta clarify which one that is. Was that the was it the second interception where the the ball that went off of Boyle's fingertips and then Bush caught, or was that the one nope, that? That's a different one. <laughs> that was a different. See, okay, yeah, okay. So I thought, okay, so that was the catch by um, was it Deontay Johnson on the sideline and Kennedy punched yep. it out. That's right. Okay, so that's the one that Harbs was saying was a joke. You know, that he <laughs> threw the flag, said it was a joke afterwards that it wasn't overturned. I agree with our good buddy Harbs, and then the INT with Boyle. I can see how it wasn't called. I thought it should have been called because the ball clearly hit the ground. And I think that definitely aided his catch. To say if he could have caught it either way, I don't. it's hard to say. But I think it definitely aided his catch. I think that INT just hurt in so many regards just because the pass, other, like it hit his hands. And if he brings it down, it's, you know, very well executed play. 
Right. Yeah. That was that was kind of my big takeaway from from that INT. If we want to get into that a little bit, Lamar had really good placement on that ball. I mean, it was right over the linebacker in between the safeties. I mean, they were closing in pretty quickly. You couldn't really get a much better pass than that, aside from you know maybe just those couple inches. But you know, Boyle had extended. He had the hands up. Just just couldn't bring it on the way down. But you know, if he does make that though, I mean, that's an amazing throw be able to get that in that tight window and I can't really fault Lamar for you know taking that shot I mean I know we've been wanting him to step up we've we've noted some of the problems I think on some guys getting open or Lamar taking shots and that was one where like he had to make that shot it was just just off by a little bit I did have one more bad call by our good friends the by the zebras (laughs) the offsides on McPhee that wasn't an offsides like, he jumped a little bit, but he was in out position, and by the time they snapped it, he was back. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from the the officials in this game was, I mean, there were just a lot of calls. I mean, we're looking at the box score here, and there are 11 penalties each side. Ravens got hit with 92 yards. Steelers got hit with 76. And even watching the, the condensed game on, on Game Pass, man, like, you'd see every couple plays there would just be a flag, flag here, flag there. And, you know, they were going against both sides. And you add four more points to that total penalty score. And, I mean, the refs win by just the number of flags they threw. (laughs) That's how close. That's how many penalties there were. It's crazy. Yeah, the penalties were were a big part of yesterday's game. I'll tell you another part that played a big part in yesterday's game. And I was thinking about, like, midway through the fourth quarter when you didn't know which way – the game was going to go, I was thinking to myself, if the Ravens don't pull this out, the reason that the only reason that they lose this game is because they would have lost the turnover battle. But then, you know, at the end, finally, you know, I mean, they, we get, we got the interception off the running back. I don't really count that as a turnover. That's just a dumb call by, by Pittsburgh. I don't know what they were thinking there, but Marlon Humphrey, and did he make the play of the game play of the season so far? I think, cause not only did he, knocked that ball out of Juju's hands. He recovered the fumble after Josh Bynes made that very athletic grab to to knock the ball in bounds. Yeah, definitely I agree with that. Marlon's uh, been playing at a high level, as we noted from last game. The other part with that, too, Josh Bynes, uh, let's, I think we should probably talk about him for a couple minutes. He looked pretty good in his first game back as, as a Raven. It's been a quite a long time since he's been in the purple and black. Looks a little different, though. He was number 56 when he was here first, and now he's got CJ's old number, which is pretty cool, actually, because I still have a 57 jersey. So I, I brought it out today at work. You know, it was funny. When he when he made that interception, that was the first time I saw him on the field all day, and he's got the the hair. For a split second, I was like, is Mosley back? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I was like, no, wait, that's, that's Josh Bynes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised... Um, uh, anybody, anybody see uh, LJ? Did he get fifty six? Did we not give that number, or did he? Did Bynes just want fifty seven? He's got uh, he's got Bowler's old number in Doomerville's. He's number fifty eight. Fifty eight. Oh, okay. Maybe Bynes just wanted fifty seven. Okay. He only had two tackles yesterday. Thought he had a little more. Yeah, just some of the notes I think I took on Bynes. I mean, I I think he's going to be definitely a good addition for us. Not, I mean, he's not going to be the same level as a as a CJ, but it's going to allow Peanut to be in his more natural spot. I think I think that's been noted by a lot of a lot of experts. I think 
just be able to get Peanut not playing in the mic position, playing in the will where he can play a lot faster and a lot more uh, instinctual, I think. But generally, I mean, I think Bynes was in, in a good position for uh, a good number of plays. I mean, the interception was the one that he pulled in on uh, near the sideline. It was a good position for that. He was in good position to bring push that ball back in bounds so Marlon could recover it at the end of the game. And then, yeah, generally, I mean, I, I thought he did a pretty good job backing up in, in pass protection when he needed to get back into his lanes, cover some of those passing lanes. It looked like he was doing that pretty well. Good run stuffer. So I was pretty pleased to see, you know, he, uh, I think, picked up right where he left off. I don't know. I don't actually remember how much he, how exactly he played. It's been a long time since 2012 since he was really starting for the Ravens. But you know, certainly a, he was a good presence to have on the field. I, I hope he continues his play and you know gets better for us. So after yesterday's game, what are our thoughts on the Ravens' defense? Are we a little more confident, or is it just we played Pittsburgh's backups and think the defense should have done a little better than it did? I was disappointed in the pressure we were able to put on the quarterback. I think defenses of old would feast on these kind of players. You know, backup quarterback and the backup's backup, which I want to say, Mason Rudolph, like, I seriously hope you're all right. That was a very scary football play. Definitely put things in perspective. (sighs) But they should have more turnovers. They should have dominated this game and just... It kind of upsets me, honestly. That I think that was the part that disappointed me the most. Is I was hoping, you know, this game don't get too high off of how it goes, but I was hoping it would just go better than it did, and just to eke out a victory the way it it, it went down. Not reassuring. We got a lot of work to do. Harbs put it well. It's a young team, like you were saying. We're in a retooling year. I think regarding the defense, though, Peter. I mean, I think I go back to what you said last week. Of you shouldn't really read much into this game if we win, you know. But if we lose, that'll tell you something. We do have a lot of work to do. Uh, I think I I will say I there were some good areas of improvement as mentioned from Bynes. Uh, he had a pretty good game. Kind of helped uh, get our players back into kind of the best positions. You know, we saw some good things, better things I think from the secondary, but. You know, again, because we're playing the backups to the backups, how much of that is really on us? Unclear at the moment. I agree with you, Alec, that we do need to see more from the pass rush. And to be honest, I mean, we'll see, man. We'll see how much we can get from our guys this year. But this is probably something that we're going to have to address next offseason. I did make in the notes here that, you know, I see that Jalen Ferguson is getting some more playing time. He was definitely in a lot more snaps this week. And... You know, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty strong, I think. He's got somewhat of a bull rush going down. It's just, you know, it takes a while for him to develop, so he's really not getting home. But he is pushing the pocket. So, you know, it's good that at least he's in game shape. But, I mean, that's not going to lead the sacks right now. You know, it might take a couple more games for him to actually get up to, like, game speed or something. But we'll see how it goes. We just got to keep our guys healthy. We start losing guys here and there on the line then it's just going to be an even longer season. We're just going to have even fewer guys to try and push the, <laughs> push the pocket and, uh, you know, generate some pressure. Yeah, no, I I mean, I agree with what you guys said. I was hoping that this week we could see a little more improvement from the defense. Like you guys said, there there were some some improvements on some individual players, but I just feel like the pass rush was again missing in action aside from a couple plays no interceptions off an actual quarterback <laughs> i don't think 
Well, uh, that's right. We picked off Baker in the Cleveland game. But aside from that, the Ravens haven't had any interceptions since week one off a quarterback. <laughs> like, that's got to that's gotta be fixed. <laughs> but another thing, though, I think that needs to be fixed, we've been talking about it for weeks, this offense. It's great when when Lamar has, has Ingram, Andrews, and Hollywood or some combination of those guys rolling. But when the defense takes them away... Ravens gotta find better plays for for Hurst, Snead, and and Gus Edwards. Right. Well, I think the the big thing to take away from this game too, just like Cleveland, Pittsburgh has a really good front seven, and I definitely would say that Pittsburgh has as good of a D line, or maybe a little bit uh, of a step back. Uh, but their linebackers are also very good. I mean, T.J. Watt was all over the field. Bud Dupree. Um, our offensive line had a hell of a time trying to keep up with those. I mean, just from just from the, the recap that I was looking at, I mean, we had Brown, Bozeman, Yonda, Skura, everyone let up sacks. I mean, pressure was coming from all over the line. And, you know, Lamar did what he could for some plays. He was able to spin out and, and get a couple yards sometimes. But generally, when you have that much pressure, it's just it was really hard for him to try and get away from everything. And, you know, I, we could <laughs> – definitely improve in, in that area I think that's another one where you know we got a little bit I think overhyped I think from what we saw from the first two weeks against Miami and Arizona you know we didn't have that many sacks or we didn't let up that any that many sacks rather and we thought oh yeah great you know oh lines fixed no not 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 the case <laughs> the thing that got me about the offense is that it seemed to me particularly in that Arizona game we started off by getting in a rhythm with short passes, in that instance to Hollywood, but just in general, just some nice rhythm passes to get the ball moving. And I haven't been seeing that as much lately. Like the rhythm has not been established. And I, like you said, Peter, when they're when they're clicking, they look so good. They just like kind of walk down the field, they score. It's like, ah, oh, I can get used to this. But it seems like they're either on for a drive or off. There's no in between. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been watching the film close enough to make a comment on on the plays we're calling. Are we calling the same stuff and it's just not working? Or have we abandoned the creative plays from the beginning of the season? From, from the naked eye to me, I am not really seeing as creative of play calls, I think, these past couple games as we were seeing at the beginning of the year. And that's not the whole story. I think also... Lamar really hasn't been attacking deep, especially in this last game, as yep. much. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just funny we're getting back to this because this is the same the same stuff we would talk about when when Marty was the coordinator and when when Flacco was the quarterback and it's, it's different yep. <laughs> different people, same same uh, outcome. <laughs> it just it just feels like we're always talking about it like this. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. There were some shots down the field. But like I don't know, I don't. I, maybe it's because Hollywood got banged up after that touchdown grab, and they they didn't feel confident with the other ones. But I honestly thought when our boy Hollywood went out, my bold prediction was going to happen. I thought Boykin was getting involved. I thought he was going to get something going, but nothing. He was quiet all game. Dude, Boykin Boykin should have had that touchdown in the first quarter. I get it that Hollywood was more than likely the primary read on that play, but I think if he had thrown it to Boykin, Boykin could have just fallen backward and begotten in the end zone untouched <laughs> well that had been nice for my bold predictions which none of us got this week <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
that's that's for the the second episode <laughs> fair enough fair enough all right guys i mean unless there's more to say about the offense let's talk about the mvp of special teams justin the wizard as stated by peter tucker he was man i mean if you saw that that kick live at first it, it looked like it was veering to the left but those of us who know tucker were like nah the man has just gotten so good at kicking game-winning field goals, he's gotten bored, and now he finds it fun to toy with the opposing fan base. I think I even saw a couple Steelers fans like get up and cheer on the initial kick because they thought it was going to go wide left. But then, you, can, nope. you can see that on the replay, definitely. <laughs> yep, it, he got it to hook in there, just barely too. I think he did that all on purpose. I think he was just having fun. That's my opinion. <laughs> See, I want to think that, but then I think back to the Saints game last year. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't go the way you want. And this one, I think you got a little lucky. Look, man, Peter, I saw your comment, and I used to be that way about Tucker, but after the agony I felt, we all felt at that Saints game, I, I no longer can just be blissfully ignorant that that happened. <laughs> Like, I'm scarred for life, man. And it's not that I did, like, I was saying, K Fish was texting me. I unfortunately, I ran out of data, guys, like, right as the game was about to end. I've been, I was watching in the lounge, and then I started streaming on my phone before boarding the plane, and I I ran out of data right at the end. It was awful. Uh, (laughs) Very few words could describe how sad I was at that moment when it just, like, clicked out. But yeah, like, he got the ball in, in range, and I was like, just kick it. Just kick it. After the turnover, kick it. I don't want to hear nothing about, <laughs> don't run no plays. Just <laughs> You got Tucker. It's fine. But that said, when it did come time for Tucker to come on, I was nervously awaiting the next text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as you guys, I mean, like I was saying, Pittsburgh, that's notoriously one of the hardest places to kick the field goal, especially the long ones because of where that, stadium is situated by the rivers and the field conditions i don't know if you guys saw while we were talking i found a link where there's apparently a secret field secret field four at the practice facility at owings mills where apparently the ravens were simulating pittsburgh's muddy turf to do field goal kicks uh leading into this week really oh interesting I guess it's not a secret field anymore because on Ravens.com, they've got the field circled in a giant yellow oval. <laughs> on you the can Google see ma- it now on Google image. Maps. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was an interesting read, just seeing how, how they're going above and beyond and thinking about every, every angle that, that you got to think about going into these games. Yeah. We, it, it's, so, it's so great to look at our special teams and just just to see how much effort preparation and just how much skill these guys have it's just it's so great I mean we got our guy Sam Cook and we talked about him of having a whole bag of different types of punts that he can just whip out at any moment's notice and Justin Tucker practicing on like these crazy fields when simulating every single condition that you can talk about and just man the the three of those guys together the wolf pack man they're just oh man they're they're you don't you don't want to have to see them. I mean, everyone wants to see people like you know just scoring touchdowns all day to throw into Hollywood, throw into Andrews all the time. But like, it's just it's just something to see, man. It's it's really awesome. I'm really I'm 
so glad, so <laughs> hashtag blessed that we have these guys to be able to pull out wins like this when things aren't working our way. It's just, it's so good. So nice to have. The other thing worth noting, I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently Tomlin gave us credit because the reason he kicked the ball off is because Tucker was perfectly delivering 4.5 seconds of hang time, two yards, uh, you know, at the two-yard line, so they have to return it, and they couldn't get any good returns going. So he was worried about the field position there. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's such a cool detail that's going to go unnoticed by the casual fan unless it's pointed out by a coach like that. I mean, because it's a kickoff. You, you know, as casual NFL fans, we don't really think about that. You just kick the ball and kick it into the end zone. If you don't want the guy to return it, kick a little shorter if, if you – think you can you know get a turnover or something but yeah just the level of of preparation and mastery that tucker and the special teams have have got all phases of the kicking game down in a league where kickers seem to be going through you know there's several teams that keep keep cycling through kickers because they can't find one that can even kick one out of two correctly right (laughs) it's just it's just really awesome for us to have and just something that we that, you know, Ravens fans shouldn't take for granted. So to end the show, let's just give props to some players, make sure we give recognition to everyone we want to talk about. I'll start because I have two, like, smaller names, so to speak. But I really have liked what I saw from Hurst the last couple games, and I thought he played well this week. And also Sneed. He had a little quiet performance. So I appreciate those guys stepping up on the offensive side of the ball when we're talking about an offense that wasn't quite ticking as well as we would hope. And I'm just hoping to see more and more of these pieces come up and get online at the same time so that we can have a very effective offense. Rather just, I mean, our offense has scored at least 20 points a game. So much appreciated, right? Like that's an improvement over offenses of the past. But I think this offense has the ability to score in the upper 20s each game. And that's what I want to see. Just a few more points. Mm -hmm. What about you, Peter? My superlative is going to go to a guy who literally just made one big play the entire game, but it may have been the difference in the game. I would have to give that to my guy, Mr. Gus Edwards, for salvaging a terrible, terrible call to run up the gut on third and long at you know your own one-yard line. It, the Steelers sniffed it out. They had that play... Mark dead, and if not for Gus Edwards putting in a second and third effort, that would have been a safety, and maybe the game doesn't go to overtime, because at that point, the Steelers would have had a five-point lead, and this team had a hard enough time getting field goals afterwards, so I know Gus Edwards really didn't do much in this game, unlike my bold prediction, but I think that play was huge in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I'm going to wrap it up. You know, we've we've already talked about our guys on the defense. You know, Kennedy, Humphrey, uh, Bynes, all of those guys definitely stepped up. I'm going to go with one guy who probably nobody ever saw on the tape, but Ronnie Stanley. Man, we're lucky to have him. We need to sign that man to a contract. He did a great job, pass protection, run blocking all day. I'm not exactly sure how the other guys have kind of winded up in the stats, but I mean, based on what I saw from the tape, I mean, he was locking his guys down. I don't think he let up a sack. We saw pressure from the rest of the guys on the line, but Stanley was solid as ever. So good job, Stanley. So with that, hopefully you guys got a taste of the uh, the nail biter 
that was the Ravens-Steelers game. Fortunately, the Ravens ended up on top after some last-minute heroics from Justin Tucker, 26-23. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, We're going to come back with uh, another episode to introduce the Cincinnati game. I expect that later in the week. But uh, if you have any feedback for us on how our episodes are going, let us know. Feedback at ravensrecap.com. And uh, tell your friends. Find us wherever you can find your podcasts. We'll see you guys later this week. I'm going to cut you off, but it's y'all fault because y'all asked me about these interceptions. <laughs> and Nada threw one every week after that, so we ain't talking about turnovers no more. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> just got to do better and just move on.